Did you have a happy Thanksgiving? It was a good Thanksgiving. We had family and food and all the good things that Thanksgiving brings. Mine, mine was fantastic. We had no turkey, uh, but my parents were in town and that was fun. And so we got to see them. And Is no turkey like a thing in your family? Yeah. Well, my wife's a vegetarian, so we don't eat the turkey. Um, I eat the turkey. Uh, when it's around, and it just wasn't around this year. We did we did eat some delicious food. Uh, There's just no no turkeys were harmed in the making of our Thanksgiving dinner. We had we did have cauliflower, which was delicious in the shape of a turkey. No, no, we had no turkey shapes. You have children though, so did you do the hand tracing with the feathers and the things? Oh man, no, that, no, tur- that <laughs> there been, were no turkeys within that my side. Very turkey like, uh, but we didn't. Nope. I think they probably did it at school. I saw a few of those things come home. Um, but it cannot enter the door. Yeah, we have a turkey ban. We we just say, that's real cute, kids. And then we just chuck it back out the door. <laughs> just kidding. We so don't I was looking at our, at our podcast feed, and we released episode three 23 days ago. Wow. So we kind of took a long week. Yeah, it, well, it's a Thanksgiving break, you know, and so we just... We just kind of elongated it, and then we'll probably, what, we'll probably get an early start on Christmas, too, because it's just, it's, gosh, days away. That's right. When this is released, it'll be four days until Christmas. Oh, wow. I think that's right. Maybe three days until Christmas. So, Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. (laughs) Yeah, so we only have three verses, too, so our Christmas gift will be a shorter podcast. That's right. Or maybe that's like Cole. Because you've been bad, you get a shorter podcast. Because if you love our podcast, and you do, because you're listening, you want more. Yeah, and we're we're kind of being grinchy, little grumpy pants. So depending on your perspective, we could either be good or bad. Grinchy or un-grinchy? A generous, maybe? Generous? Yeah. Maybe. Like, What's the opposite of a grinch? the season two to give. Well, who, who are the little people? The, the Grinch and the... Oh, the the little people down in the yeah, city. Yeah, what were their names? Yeah, were they the Who's? Whoville? Is that what? It is? Yeah, the Grinch and the Who's from Whoville. Yeah. So, Whoey? <laughs> Could we be Whoey? Yeah, because they <laughs> were either generous, Grinchy or right? Whoey. Yeah, Grinchy or Whoey. All right, our passage is First John two four through six. You ready? I'm ready. Whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments as a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him truly, the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Welcome to the podcast. This is Justin and Rusty, and you're listening to Footnotes. So we're picking up 1 John in chapter 2 in verse 4. The last time we we ended on verse 3, where he said, By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. And he kind of carries it on from there. And I was looking at verse 4. It says, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. So it's like, you know, <laughs> verse 1, right? It's reminding us that John's speaking in this tone. We talked about this last week. He's talking about my little children. I'm writing so you won't sin or so you may not sin. He's trying to save us from sin. He's trying to help us 
And so just uh, to keep in mind from last week that the, the word liar, although in my mind that triggers kind of a harsh, harsh tone, um, I still think he's just, he's continuing to say, um, if, if you say you know him, but you don't really live the way he asks you to live, then, well, you're not keeping yourself from sin. You're a liar. The truth isn't in you. Um, and so I just, I kind of wanted to just reiterate that before we jump back into this, because he does talk circularly, but he is still speaking from a loving standpoint, um, even though he's using some pretty clear words like liar. Well, I have, I have a thought about this, but okay. I'll save it till the end. So if I don't okay. bring it up again, remind me. Okay. I'm excited. I can't wait to, to hear, and it, but it does in, bring up an interesting question. So, um, some of the people I love the most are the ones that I'm most direct with like my kids or my wife, for example. Um, and, and I'm not, uh, I'm not talking about like yelling or losing my temper, but I'm just saying I know them so well, um, that I can actually speak very directly uh, as to what they're doing or what they're not doing. Um, and so do you think, do you think that might fall more in line with kind of his fatherly tone him being able to use words like liar and being direct with them? Like the truth is not in, in you. I think that's definitely a part of it. And, you know, I mean, there's a lot at stake here, too. I think that's important to know because I can go from a very fatherly tone of like, I love you, but you cannot do this, right? I mean, when, when they're do when my kids are doing something that's remotely dangerous or when there's a lot at stake with their actions, um, my tone gets very direct and very serious, even though I'm still actually talking to them um, in a, in a very loving way, because out of my love for them, out of my desire to watch over them and protect them and, um, direct them, I think that's why my tone would get direct and, uh, and even, um, sharp, stern, potentially, just to, to get their attention. Cause what he's talking about here is he's talking about salvation, which is the most important thing we could ever wrestle with in life and where we stand and, and w- what direction we're headed. Um, so maybe, maybe he is getting just a little bit stern or direct or sharp in trying to grab their attention because he's dealing with such an, an important issue. You say it's about salvation. You see here, he contrasts verse four and five. Whoever says, I love, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. Mm-hmm. It's an unfortunate break there. I think he, the break could have been you know, at the end of perfected because it's one thought. Yeah. And and this causes me to think about the original audience, but then it causes me, of course, to reflect on my own life. And, um, you know, we've talked about this. Who is he speaking to? Is he speaking to the people that, that are the liars and the truth is not in them? Or is he speaking to the people that, um, who are in Jesus and trying to live like he's calling them to? And I think it's just, I think it's effective for both or it's good for both because the people, um, who aren't, uh, in, in the truth, then it causes them to pause and think about the way they're acting and they're living, right? It causes them to self-assess whether or not they are actually following Jesus or if they're just around a bunch of people who are following Jesus. And then for the, for those that are following Jesus, it, it causes them to evaluate themselves, but then also evaluate those around them, um, in several ways. One, how you can be, you know, an effective instrument for those people uh, and confronting them a lot like the way John is setting the pace in confronting them with this letter. Um, if you are trying to follow Jesus and be perfected by keeping his word, well then 
um, man, you're, you're in a great place of turning around trying to help your brother who isn't keeping his commands and not following him to try and help him see uh, how to do so, right? I mean, you, you go to the person who actually finished the marathon in order to help you train in order to finish it rather than somebody who's failing. They say those who can't do teach and those who can't teach teach teaching. That doesn't apply to sanctification. It does not. No. Those who can't walk in the light teach how to walk into the light. That's right. And those who can't teach how to walk into the light teach other people how to teach other people to walk in the light. Yeah. Not biblical. What is it? Second Timothy 2.2, right? It says teach. It's Paul talking to Timothy saying, uh, find men and teach them uh, who will then in turn turn around and teach other people. Along those same lines... When Paul, you know, doesn't Paul tell Timothy to, like, follow me as I follow Christ, like, imitate my life? If Paul wouldn't, wouldn't be keeping his word, he, wouldn't, he couldn't tell Timothy to follow him because Paul knows that it's good for someone to keep the word of God. And he, he wouldn't say, hey, Timothy, model my life when I continually am stumbling into darkness. Right. But, but maybe he would because, you know, the act of repentance is itself a indication that the word of God is in you, right? We've talked about this in the previous episodes where John isn't saying, if you sin once, you know, that's an indication that the truth is not in you. Mm -hmm. You know, we've kind of developed this idea that it's a continuous pattern. You know, walking in the light doesn't mean you never sin. It means when you do sin, <laughs> you repent. And so I think if someone says, hey, Look at this. I'm a I'm a sinner. You know, if you're close to if you're close to someone, they know you're a sinner, but they can still say, "Man, I want to be like him because when he messes up, I see the fruit of repentance in his life." It goes along with the idea you want somebody who's humble, right? I mean, obviously that's that's the key to repentance is recognizing how you're a sinner. Paul would say he's the worst of all sinners, right? Which he was also the holiest of all people. Right? I mean, other than Jesus, he he was killing us all in, in the being like Jesus competition. And, and when I think about that, I mean, you wouldn't take running advice, probably, you probably wouldn't take running advice from a guy 30 pounds overweight, drinking beer and smoking cigarettes on the couch, you know? Do you know the app Couch to 5K? I've heard of it. Yeah, I have heard of it. It's basically a training app that gets mm -hmm. you from your couch to a 5K. But the guy that probably wrote it, <laughs> was probably on his couch was like maybe if i write an app that trains you then i'll do it but he never did because his app was successful and <laughs> he's still sitting on the couch yeah he and he's still he sitting on it. the couch he's like if i were to do it this is how i'd do it i'm not gonna do it but you can do it with my app here you go so yeah okay so yeah <laughs> where, where were we? let's pull it back in so it says the love of god is perfected whoever keeps his word the love of god is perfected and we've talked a lot about this but um, when you see the word is perfected, right? And we're kind of talking about that a little bit. Paul would say he's the worst of all sinners, but yeah, yet, so, everybody no, stop, looking stop, at stop, oh, stop, yeah. stop, okay, stop. I'm sorry. You cut, said, cut, you cut, said yeah. this earlier too. I don't think Paul said he was, that he is the worst of all sinners. Okay. I think he said he was referring to, you know, this self-righteous guy killing Christians, the worst of sinners, and then God saved him. I don't think he would say, I am the worst of sinners. I think he would say, I was the worst of sinners. And that is, that's evidence of the grace of God. Yeah. Does this no. make a difference to your point? I don't, I don't really know. So, so you're saying, so I want to find the actual verse because I'm, I'm completely okay with being wrong on this. 
It, it, okay, so it says First Timothy one fifteen, and I'm totally taking this out of context. I don't want to take. Oh, I don't think I am. I could be taking it wildly out of context. I could be the subject of our next segment. Okay, um, it says. <laughs> yeah, we need to do another one of those. Here, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. <clears throat> um, now, now there could be some original language problems there, and I mean. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fight with you on this. Okay, so back up. First twelve of First Timothy one. So I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Go, unload on me. I'm ready. No, no, no. So all I'm saying, I was, I thought I was right, but now I'm not sure. But I think, <laughs> I don't know how this applies to what we are talking about, but I would well, just say- it's actually say, right in line with being perfected. It's fantastic. Keep going. Keep going. All I think he is saying is he's looking back at the things that he did in the past, the things pre-conversion. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. he's saying, I was the worst sinner. I was, you know, you couldn't find a sinner more adept at sinning than me. I was a blasphemer. I was persecuting the church. I was an insolent opponent, the CSB translates yeah, it. Right. And he said, but Jesus Christ came into the world to save me. Yeah. The guy that was doing those things. So I don't think I don't think Paul is saying to Timothy, follow me, the foremost of sinners, and when I sin, look at how I repent. I think he's saying I think they're two different things. Okay. I think Paul strived hard to live righteously. Yeah, I mean, running the race as if only one person got the prize. Like, I, I get that he ran hard. He's saying that his prior sin record would make him the foremost sinner of all sinners. Yeah. Right? So, like, it's it, for him, he's saying, if we were to take everybody's sin record and just com- stack them up, even though I've been, I mean, he just said in verse 12, um, been judged faithful, right, by Jesus in in carrying out the gospel. He would say, if if you pull back out my sin record from before I was judged faithful, um, I, I am the foremost sinner. I am I'm the leader of all. I mean, like I am the 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 sinnerest sinner, right? I'm the, I'm the most guilty. Would you was that kind of Would you say that's what you're saying? Is that yeah? Because is that clear? Because you 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 referenced it as if. Paul currently thought himself the foremost of sinners. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's the case. And I think that was my only point before this before this little tirade. Let's see if we can pull this back in. With right. uh, the end of 1 John 2, 5, mm-hmm. it says, By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him, this is verse 6, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you mentioned that earlier that the the Christian model, the righteousness model that Jesus established through his church was people living it out in front of people who lived it out in front of people. So mm-hmm. we have a very baton passing instruction. Um, right. And this that's John saying, you know, look back at the way Jesus walked and Jesus showed John how to walk. You know, John's disciples, Polycarp, I think was John's disciple. 
and then Polycarp disciple and blah blah yeah. blah blah blah. Right. You know, it's it's a very baton passing model. And that's mm-hmm. what he's he's getting at here too. I totally agree. You're not gonna walk as the guy sitting on the couch drinking beer, smoking cigarettes, thirty pounds overweight walk, because he's not walking anywhere, right? You would get nowhere. So I'm gonna pull something in here, a little blast from the past. Are you ready? Huh? WWJD, did you have one of those bracelets? <laughs> in middle school? Or a shirt, maybe? I, I think I had a bracelet and I think it was like, if I remember right, like neon yellow. Yeah. Well I didn't I never had one. I was I don't, I don't know if it just wasn't real big in my church or Alabama or whatever. I don't know. I, I remember hearing it, WWJD, you know, and but I never had any paraphernalia. And so, so yeah, the, the movement caught a lot of flack, but it does actually, it's actually really good. I mean, it, the, the, the principle behind it is, is this verse six, I feel like. And it's a great question that I've actually asked myself, you know, I mean, it, it was enough from hearing about it from the bracelets and the t-shirts um, to get inside my head when I wasn't sure what to do. I'm like, well, what would Jesus do if he was the perfect human being? What, what's, what's your thoughts on the WWJD? I heard someone say once that a better bracelet would be WDJD. What did Jesus do? Mm. Because it, it promoted, instead of speculating, well, if Jesus was in my middle school, <laughs> what would he do? It was... Right. You know, Jesus revealed himself in the word and gave us four accounts of his life. Let's look at what he did and see how he demonstrated love in the midst of strife or truth in the mixed midst of lies. You know, these kind of things. Yeah, yeah. But both both go to the point that John is saying the one who remains in him, the one who says, I know him, should walk just as Jesus walked. No, I agree. I think the principle is the same. I mean, it's easy to criticize, you know, movement. I do actually agree with that, though. WDJD, what did Jesus do? I mean, because, uh, you know, talking with one of my buddies now, it's just we both have to hammer into ourselves to go back to the Bible and just read what, you know, what is true and what, what should actually determine the way we walk. Because God's given us an entire book on what he thinks and how he feels and um, how he's called us to live. And um, we don't necessarily have to speculate a whole lot on what God would want us to do uh, because he's laid it all, all out. <laughs> I yeah. mean, he, he put an awful lot in this book. So I've only preached one Sunday morning service. Mm-hmm. It was when I just graduated high school and, and I preached on Ephesians 5. Be careful then as you walk, not as the unwise, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. And then this is, this is how it relates. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Dot, dot, dot. And you referenced it earlier in that we don't need to speculate on what God wants us to do because he revealed what he wants us to do in the scriptures. John is saying here, you know, walk as Jesus walked. And Paul is saying in Ephesians 5, be careful how you walk, not as the unwise as the wise and then understand what the will of the Lord is. And then the rest of Ephesians is things like, do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery. Be filled with the Spirit. Address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms. Submit to one another out of reverence. Wives, submit to your husbands uh, as to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and died for her. So we don't have to speculate on what the will of the Lord is. It almost never happens that you're like, I don't know if I should steal. This is a candy bar. Jesus never looked at a candy bar. So I don't know if Jesus would steal a candy bar. Yeah, he never had processed sugar. Now, I get what you're saying. And, and it does bring up, you touched on a little bit like, okay, then what do you do in a situation where 
where you're stuck at two paths, neither of which are sinful, and, and you don't know what to do. What, what about then? We're, we're kind of getting a little bit off, but I think it's, it's still within the heart of walking just as Jesus walked. If we want to definitely you know, follow God's will for our lives, how do you, how do you approach that? Because it's a trick question. I have the answer, but oh. um, I just, yeah. Well, I'd like to know your answer. Okay. Have you ever, uh, you ever listened to Greg Kokel's decision-making this in the will of God? This was going to be my answer. Oh, well, you go. You go then. You go. You take it. Basically, what, what he says is, and I, I believe him 100%, what we do in those situations where you're faced with choices, like, should I move to San Francisco to take this job, or should I move to Arizona and take this job? You know, let's say you're just graduating school, find a a fleece, put it outside at night, just on your sidewalk, and then go home and pray and say, God, if I wake up in the morning and the fleece is soaked, but the ground around the fleece is dry, then I'll go to San Francisco. And you do that. That's how you decide. That's what this teaches us. That's exactly right. That's exactly what I was going to say. How did you... God, it's so perfect. Except for that it's completely wrong. What? What? No. Yes. Oh, it's the other way around. Sorry. You're supposed to pray that the fleece is dry, but the ground around the fleece is wet. That's what it was. You're right. Wait, that's not right either. Shoot. (laughs) Yeah. So what he says is uh, there's God's revealed will, which is what the Bible tells us uh, how to live, you know, principally. Don't steal, you know, don't let unwholesome things come out of your mouth, but only that which builds up those that overhear. You know, those kind of principles are revealed in the Bible. That's God's revealed will. And then when you're faced with two decisions that neither of which are against God's revealed will, well, then you're dealing in the realm of God's secret will. And uh, we just can't know that. So what we do is we pray about it and we just make the best decisions taking in factors like, uh, where's my skill set lie? What are my desires? What it does is it kind of removes the uh, needle in a haystack, got to find God's one way will for our life. Um, and as long as we're living within God's revealed will of how we should live, principally based, ethically, morally, um, then we actually have a lot of freedom in how we choose to make decisions that, um, that aren't against his ethical or moral will. Yeah, and I think we can tie it into the, the end of this passage to say, you know, whoever abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And the verb walking indicates a moving forward and a walking forward in righteousness. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people just get paralyzed by these choices. Like, I just don't know what God wants me to do here. And he's saying, just walk in the way that Jesus walked. When it's mm-hmm. when it's a clear sin versus righteousness issue, walk in righteousness. And when it's not, live and walk righteously. I think that's what John would say. And uh, and then just trust God with the rest. That's that's a large part of walking as Jesus walked. Yeah, trust God. That was fun. I had fun. That was fun. If people have any comments or questions for us, they can email us uh, podcast at footnotes.fm or visit our Facebook page and leave us a note there and like us at facebook.com slash footnotes podcast. Absolutely. Thumb ups.